there we go. Finally, it's done. It's up. I'm not dealing with it anymore. Head on over to Spotify, Steven Sersky Podcast, up in those episode number 37 is up and ready to go. Happy Valentine's, people. Red roses everywhere. Has COVID changed your future plans? Three years? Five years? One year? New podcast is up. And, uh, hmm, some issues with the 4x4x48. Interesting. Well, we'll see how that one goes, folks. Tuesday, February 4th, 14th. Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. I'm Stephen Sersky. Hope you are doing well wherever you are located, whether it's in Beijing, China, Seoul, South Korea, uh, southern parts of Australia, middle of Canada, uh, in Sweden, uh, or somewhere in Europe, in Ukraine possibly, or even in the good old United States. Hope you are doing well and safe, warm, uh, and well enough as much as you can be given the current circumstances. You know, it's very difficult with uh, the uh, the modern sort of horror news that goes on. Can you wish everybody to be well these days? You can, but I mean, like, Ukraine is being bombed. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's it's not a joke. It just is happening. Uh, I, I won't dwell on that today. Uh, there has been uh, hasn't been very many developments uh, in that front lately, but I've seen some other sort of um, finger pointing at well, it's not finger pointing some other concerns about China's own development over the next decade. So this has sort of uh, been, uh, I guess, a thought, and I don't know. I, this is what gets me about being so aware as. Uh, an adult and, and something that you you fundamentally lack when you are a child is, is this awareness of going forward what you are going to do and us expats particularly have this sort of annual is it a fear or a reminder of just how temporary things can be farmers are very much like this too because of each crop and I've worked for a few farmers, and I, I don't think I ever really fully appreciated just how exact there is an art to farming, but the science behind putting down product, behind uh, putting down a certain poundage of seeds per uh, acre or hectare or whatever, uh, and then you know calculating your harvests, basing that, and then using that as a basis for like you know even you're going to sell futures if you're going to sell some contracts if you. Uh, a few months out or a few years out, a year out or so, or you buy yourself some insurance by way of puts and stuff like that, which some farmers do. Um, it's, you know, how cyclical some things are, but then how how temporary they are in the short term and every year. And so this COVID thing, you know, I'm walking around the, the, the neighborhood, not really far. I don't go anywhere. I work from my apartment, not home, my apartment. And I'm looking at the places where, there used to be COVID uh, NAT testing, nucleic acid testing sites, right? They used to be all on every street corner. It used to be like the place to go and get your NAT test. Whoa, all gone. It's like waking up. I don't want to say from a dream because like, was that a dream of being <laughs> basically locked in China for three years? <laughs> Is that anyone's dream to have? Mm, I'm not sure. Uh, I do know, like yesterday I mentioned that there are other people apparently coming in for the, the short term. And I've had a few people, you know, ask some questions about it. At the same time, the YouTube algorithm has pointed me to some videos of this one guy who has been on Joe Rogan before talking about the impending 
doom of China. And I go, it's sometimes like there are people here in China who are abstinent China fans. Like they are, it's not so much that China's number one, but that United States is not necessarily number one. And if it is number one right now, it doesn't mean that it's going to be number one for a long time going. And now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I have talked about a few of my sources before, uh, foreign affairs, geopolitical futures, um, Joe Rogan, <laughs> Joe Rogan's guests to be in, uh, to be specific and some of the works that they, they produce. Uh, and going forward into this sort of uh, thinking about how, even if you took away the, the names of the United States and China, and you looked at some of the, the, the policies that are the systems that are in place, and then you look at how they are doing things. Now, if you lived in China, let me tell you, if you lived in China without looking at the news, particularly the Western media news, you would not have an idea of what people are saying. You wouldn't. You'd go to work. You'd do your job. You, you, I mean, you'd go home. And that's it. Your money would be the same. Honestly, I don't even think you would notice if your money would buy anything different over the years of course you'd be like well yeah i guess rent has kind of gone up but it means covid so three years of that you know i know a few people who've lost their jobs or changed jobs but i mean i still have my job again me being a foreigner a little bit different because there there's a premium on being here being dislocated being uh you know taken out of relocated from my 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 so-called home but and likewise, go for Chinese people. I mean, this is actually one of the things I heard that China has had pretty much a net export of people over the last long time, whereas the United States has had a net import of people. So they have more immigrants coming into the country than people are leaving the country. China doesn't have that. Japan faces the same thing uh, before their sort of stagnation occurred 20, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago already. And you hear the same sort of things going on in China, but and this is where I kind of look like, what was it like to be a foreigner uh, in Japan in the 1990s, in the 1980s? Wouldn't that be crazy to hear podcasts or interviews? Like, how many of those things do survive? Hey, speaking of which, I got a podcast that I do that. I interview people. I talk to people here in China. Uh, but then what's it going to be like, you know, in 20 years, looking back in China, it, being in China at the time, what more can we do? Is there anything that we're leaving on the table? I don't mean just money. I mean, like, in terms of living, in terms of understanding, in terms of, and I don't, like, I'm not even poking at uh, political stuff. I'm just talking about, like, getting to know the people around us. You know, do we, because when, when people go, when we go back to our homelands, wherever they are, how's China? You know, do, do the Chinese really do this? And fill in the blank. Does China really do that? Do, do they really do that over there? And of course, you have to generalize, even though, I mean, we all know you can't speak for everybody. And you can usually only point to your own experience, which is a honestly very limited scope sometimes. Because even if you were, let's say, you know, a manager of a company, you're dealing with a certain type of people all the time, right? You're not always getting out and meeting everybody can you meet a good selection of people around the country probably um but if covid kind of shut that down for a while this gets me thinking do i want to travel throughout china do i want to travel throughout the world if i do travel throughout the world does china remain the home base does china 
keep because I mentioned that I don't want to pack the apartment. Well, what if what if I didn't pack the apartment? What if I just kept renting it, right? And this was my home base, you know, kind of like how Canada could be or pick anywhere else. You you buy an apartment or an Airbnb or I don't know, a, a cargo container in Singapore, put it there for pay rent for for next 3 or 4 years. That's your apartment, quote unquote. <laughs> That's where your mailing address is, some PO box at the the shipping docks in Singapore. Um, I don't know if that's actually possible to tell you the truth. Don't take my word on this. But uh, things like this, I mean, uh, three years, one year, five years, has COVID changed your plans at all? Are, are the jobs better? Are they, are they worse? Are you upskilling? What kind of skills are you looking to do? Um, I guess going into spring, this is one of those times, that it's like a reflective time for me. I've noticed that uh, uh, the springtime is, like my birthday is also another time where I kind of, sit back and go, hmm, what would I like to get done? Because given the average age of how how many years someone lives and dies in the world, on average, given certain demographics and blah, 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 how many years do you have, right? Is, you know, the 40s your actual midlife or is it turd life? A third life? That's a turd life. Oh, good. Well, I guess many people would say it's a turd life, but... Uh, is it a third of a life? Is it a quarter of a life? Is it a half life? Is it, you know, back 100 years ago, 200 years ago, it was a full life sort of thing, right? I don't know. I mean, this is this is what I'm kind of looking at, debating. Uh, and again, like with the, the seasons, um, you know, uh, with uh, spring, the reason why spring's in my mind is not just because of spring festival, because I saw in the trees, there seems to be like a little wisp of green on the trees like those the willows are starting to uh, to uh, peek through i guess like very very slight take a look at the branches and you'll see that they're a little bit more uh, greener than gray uh and that's usually a signal that the uh, the weather is uh, actually getting warmer and the plants are coming alive again despite the fact that we had a dusting of snow again on sunday uh, all that being said seasons i mean is this your last year in china is this your last year in your apartment is this your last year in beijing is this your last year with this company is this your last year with these people is this the last year that you're traveling all of these things again as an expat it's it's an annual reminder um and if it's not direct to us like i.e like contract related then it's other people that we know other expats who are leaving, their contracts expire, or don't get renewed, or they choose to to uh, move on to the next place. They go here, they go there, and you pick in a far-off place. They're going back to the homelands. Uh, they're going to the next... To be honest, not a lot of people have been moving on to the next destination. A lot of people simply repatriated to where they came from or because of COVID. Um, other pla- like when I was in... There's other places that I've, I've heard it, but I don't know. As an expat, have you heard many people that you know jumping off to the next best destination or is it that they all sort of return home for a spell they they return home for a little bit um gather their bearings again and they maybe take off again because once you're an expat especially for a while I, i don't know is it the expats that are gone for a while that don't stay for very long like in any one place or is it the people who you sort of see bouncing around from place to place they're the ones who you're kind of like oh you'll be in another location in six months one one year from now which i mean i was like that for years before i came to china it's not like i mean china was paradise it was just that 
China made it easy. Uh, it was comfortable enough. Uh, there was enough money. Uh, there was enough distractions, and I'm not gonna. They they did make it easy. Expat living here compared to other places, Ukraine. <laughs> uh, it was it was a lot easier. Now South Korea would be comparable along those lines, to tell you the truth, because South Korea again they made it easy, especially when I was back there, 2010 or whatever it was. It was easy to you know survive and live and thrive as a foreigner uh, in those. Uh, uh, back in those days. Anyway, uh, you know, oh yeah, Valentine's Day. I hope you got your flowers. Uh, I did see some red roses out there today. I didn't pick up anything else because uh, I was like, uh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, the, the flowers I got are still here. Uh, but uh, I was thinking about picking up, well, probably, I might get another one for uh, the weekend. We'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of ladies were walking around with red roses. I'm not sure if the school did it or if it's like, Okay, so here's the weird part is that if the girls are walking around, like just the girls are walking around with a single red rose, who gave it to them, right? Where did they go? Uh, to be fair, um, February 14th is not really Chinese Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I think, is Chinese Valentine's Day. Is that is it White Day? Is that what they call it? Maybe they've changed it because of the... Uh, Social climate. I'm, I can't remember, but it's. I think it's in March. Yeah, March fourteenth. I think is the the Chinese equivalent. One of the Chinese equivalents of Valentine's Day. The other one is in August. I believe is that. It's not Shuxi. It's Qin Qinxi. Is that that's what it is in in August. Uh, and then March has another day as well. So there's there's two in the Chinese calendar. The the calendrical calendar. I guess you could say March and August, where they sort of celebrate a. Um, uh, a Valentine's Day of sorts, right? <laughs> if you guys are celebrating, uh, episode number thirty-seven uh, is out, up and out. Fine, I just push, push, publish. Uh, it is, I think, currently uploading to my website. It is up on Anchor.fm and also on Spotify. Uh, that's the Stephen Sersky Podcast. You can check that out. Episode number 37 with the trio that makes up Latinitas Anime Causa. Now, the, I reached out to these uh, this trio, this team, oh, back in the beginning of December, I think it was. And I've been following them for a while. I, kind of, I find it amusing, some of the things that they do, uh, n- n- least of all is that they have a podcast in Latin. Okay, so it's all in Latin, 45 minutes in Latin. They also live stream game gaming, like on Twitch and on YouTube, their, their gameplay, and they narrate it in Latin, all in Latin. There's no English, it's all Latin. And so I asked them if they would be on this podcast, and I was actually kind of little worried that they would uh say no like if they had to listen to the other podcasts i've had it's like you're you live in china and stuff like that I'm like yes i do i know why am i asking a bunch of latin speakers uh to um uh to to be on a podcast obviously that have made up a lot of expats but i, I was telling them like well i know a lot of uh, people who have studied classics or latin or ancient languages or languages in general uh, particularly uh, ESL, of course, but uh, you know, there's w- when people find out that I have a classics background, a classics history degree, they inevitably ask about well, Latin, or they give me some quote in Latin. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? I have no idea, <laughs> no idea, bro. That was like a long time ago. But these folks are living proof that Latin as a second language actually exists and it was fascinating to talk to them because the way that they spoke about teaching latin 
and one of them teaches at the uh, high school level, two of them teach at the university level, they were talking about all the terms, like basically that I just finished studying for my Delta Module 1, Comprehensible Input, SLA, Second Language Acquisition, um, you know, the, not so much the CCQs, the ICQs, but uh, concept checking, uh, monitoring, uh, and all this extensive input, intensive input as well. But they are approaching Latin in a spoken manner, in a spoken context. Uh, and they are creating these contexts for spoken Latin to happen. And they also talk about some of the pushback that they've received doing this. And if you think back 10, 15, 20 years ago, long time ago, before the interwebs, before the internet became really ubiquitous, I mean, there was like one or two sources for Latin, spoken Latin. Number one was the church, okay? Roman Catholic masses, uh, some, some of them, or like there was recordings that you could find every now and then, but it wasn't all over the place. Uh, the papal address was typically in Latin as well. The second place that you could find it was on this radio station in Finland, uh, uh, Nunti Latini, which they broadcast every week for about 25, 30 years, lots of many years, uh, the news in Latin. It was only five minutes long, and you could download these MP3s, and you could take them with you. I mean, that was like the first sort of exposure I had to spoken Latin. So a lot of my pronunciation that I know of came from that podcast. These folks, this trio, have carried on that. Now, there is a spoken Latin community. There actually is. There's a guy named Father Reginald. He passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, but Father Reginald Foster uh, was a um, an American. Uh, was he, he wasn't a Jesuit, was he? He might have. Uh, but he worked in Rome. He was stationed in Rome for a very long time. And he put on these uh, summer-long, something like a retreat or a camp or a school Free of charge. All you had to do was show up. You pay for you pay your own way, but if you want to learn Latin, he would take you through it. And the same way that we teach ESL, or that is taught to teach ESL in the Celta and the Delta, that's how he would talk. He was like, we, we're not going to focus on grammar. We're just going to start reading, and we're going to pick it up as we go along. We'll, we'll go through, we'll analyze different parts and stuff like that, but you will learn through intensive and extensive exposure to the language. He passed away. Uh, but in his wake, uh, he has f inspired a few other people to take up the cross of uh, communicating in Latin. And uh, the Latinitas Animi Causa team, they are part of these, sort of, I don't want to say descendants, but uh, they are part of this offshoot that have, um, have picked up the, uh, the, uh, the idea of continuing to speak Latin. So there you go. Episode number 37 of my podcast is up on Spotify, Anchor. Uh, it will be up on Google and Apple very soon. I think it takes a little while to see through there, but you can have a listen to that. And after this episode, be sure to uh, keep on listening because I've attached a clip to that as well. Last thing here is the 4x4x48, this David Goggins challenge that I do, uh, that I've been doing for the last couple of years. Now, this, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with this, um, this is a uh, an ultra marathon of, thor of thought. So a, a typical marathon is about 24 miles, and I don't know how many kilometers that is, times by 1.6, uh, and you get your number 42, 44 kilometers, somewhere around there. Uh, but this one usually takes place at the beginning of March. At least it has for the last couple of years. Uh, I've done it twice. Uh, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. The first year, I think I ran half of it, walked to the other half. The second year, I ran like three quarters of it, I guess. 
this year, again, I'm trying to, I, I would like to run the whole thing, but I'm not going to put the pressure on me to do it. All I got to do is complete four miles every four hours for 48 hours starting Friday night, 8 p.m. Now, this is the, I guess it's March 3rd. Yes, I think that's what it is. Friday, March 3rd, all throughout that weekend, that 48 hours that makes up that weekend, four miles every four hours. He released a video today, David Goggins, um, saying that he wasn't going to do it at the beginning of March because he, he just released a book a couple months ago and he's been busy uh, supporting that. Uh, so he might do it at the end of March. But the, the only the other thing that he was saying, he's like, I'm getting sued. I'm getting sued by an insurance company who is representing someone in a vehicle who hit another person who was taking part in the 4x4x48. So David Goggin, last year, he was running with a, a bunch of different groups. Uh, and I'm not sure if it was someone in the group that he was running with, but this person was running as a part of this challenge, and I guess they associated it with him for some, how do you even do that? And this is his, the video that he's like, the fuck are you on about? Why don't you take some accountability into your life? The whole video was about accountability. And he did not swear very much. I was actually quite impressed uh, or shocked and surprised that he didn't. But uh, basically this insurance company is coming after him because this person who was engaged in this ultra marathon competition, whatever is, and I'm guessing it happened at night uh, that uh, they hit this other, this runner. And now they're coming after him for, I don't even know what to tell you the truth. And he was not happy about this. <laughs> he was not happy. So he's like, okay, well, I might not get around to doing the 4x4x48 at the beginning of March, but by the end of March, it's basically going to be done. So, of course, one of the guys here, I know he's like, well, so you're going to do it twice. I'm like, guess so. May as well, beginning of March, because that's when I have it blocked in. Not sure if it can be done at the end of March because that's when I'm going to go to Hong Kong. I would like to go to Hong Kong, but and running to Hong Kong, I'm not going to do. Uh, could I do? Oh, that'd be tough. I probably could, to tell you the truth. It'd be tough, but I probably could run four miles every four hours for 48 hours, even while in Hong Kong. Hmm. Not sure if I want that challenge just yet, just yet. Anyway, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in today and uh, having to listen to uh, this here audio podcast, audio blog, audio digest. So again, episode number 37 of my big cast is up and out on Spotify, Anchor, Google, uh, Apple, and will be up on my website very shortly, stevensersky.com. Uh, you can have a listen to that. That is episode number 37 with Latinitas Anami Causa, uh, the Latin speakers, like the real Latin as a second language uh, speaker. So have a listen to that. Um, I guess the other thing I forgot to mention about one of the reasons I had them on was because when I get asked about Latin, a lot of my colleagues ask me about Latin and there is a question that has been debated, and I'll let you listen to the episode to figure out what uh, I'm talking about. But uh, a lot of people like to say that certain languages are the de facto language around the world. And I go, well, shouldn't then it change its name? Right. I'll leave it there, folks. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Show us and tracks up on my website, stephenshersky.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk again. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Like the, the, the argument often is for speaking Latin, but why, right? But why? This is even a, this is even an argument that was made by the SLA theorist uh, Bill Van Patten in one of his podcast episodes. He said like, well, why why do speak ancient languages? Because there's no one around to talk to, which 
I also is not think entirely true. There are people that I've had conversations with where Latin was the only common language we had, right? Mm -hmm. um, I taught in Italy in October in Florence at a weekend immersion event with Greco Latino Vivo, and um, my Italian's not very good. It used to be pretty much a lot better. It's not very good now, but I have therefore in order to speak to these people. I have to speak in Latin and they have to speak in Latin and there's no other option, right? <laughs> and so we have real meaningful conversations and the, the force the language carries with that is so real and raw and human that you just can't get if you're just translating. Well, it's also one of these things where uh, you're able to, because they don't know your language, you don't know their language, but then you know a mutual language, right. which is what Latin used to be for so many years. Exactly. Right? And but now, now yeah, being able ahead. to function in that language that, uh, I mean, was largely was largely relegated to the textbooks, right. the libraries. Now it's, right. now it's not so much anymore. Exactly, which is quite fascinating that it's had the sort of the renaissance it's having. And I mean, ultimately, I mean... Our ultimate, I think, highest goal, and almost everyone will say this who does spoken Latin, is reading, right? Is being able to read yeah. ancient texts with fluency, right? Um, and that is reading and comprehending in the same moment, right? True reading. Um, yeah. and, and speaking Latin and interpreting messages in Latin that are delivered to you in Latin, all those things are going to foster that ability to read a lot more than being able to pick out which of the 30 definitions of deco in a dictionary it might be in that context.